Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. Gang, got a great episode for you today, one of our How Do You Treat That episodes. Before we get into it, I just want to remind everybody, we are giving away $100 a week. It's a $100 a week straight up giveaway. All you got to do is get signed up for the Dr. Andy Rourke email uh, newsletter that comes out. It comes out on Thursdays. It's articles from drandywork.com, it's uh, podcast episodes, it's news and information from around the vet world, and it's your ticket to a $100 a week giveaway. All you got to do is get registered, get the emails, and we may pick your name and send you 100 bucks. Just head over to drandywork.com and you can find the sign up for the newsletter at the bottom of the page or it'll pop up right in the middle of the page at some point. So just put your name and email address in there and you are cocked, locked, and ready to rock. Now, let's talk about our guest for today. Ingrid Johnson is a certified cat behavior consultant through the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. She's employed at Paws, Whiskers, and Claws, a feline-only veterinary hospital, and she's been working exclusively with cats since 1999. Ingrid operates fundamentally feline, providing in-home and phone consultations for clients experiencing behavior challenges with their cats. In addition to behavior consultations, Ingrid publishes educational content on her site. She also manages Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, makes her own line of feline foraging toys, scratching posts, and vertical space and litter boxes. She lectures on cat behavior at veterinary conferences such as the AAFP, VMX, ACVC, and the like. Guys, Ingrid's amazing, and she's got um, she's got content on Animal Planet, the Cats 101 show. She is um, in uh, Cat Fancy's... Uh, 2008 home issue talks about her feline friendly accommodations and aesthetically pleasing ways you can provide your cat with innate basic needs while still having a home that humans can enjoy. Ingrid is uh, is fantastic. I think you're going to really like our conversation. Without further ado, let's get into this. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to All right, gang, I am here with the amazing Ingrid Johnson. Thanks so much for taking time to come on and talk cats with us today. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Oh, it's my my pleasure. So let's uh, let's do one of our How Do You Treat That episode. So you and I, um, you and I, let's kick this around. We have... An adult, say five to six year old male neutered cat, and he's in um, a multi cat household, and he is a bit overweight. He steals food, so he eats the other cat's foods, and he is a scarf and barf cat. So the owner says he just he eats so fast and he throws up, and I that can't be normal. Or they act like it is normal. They're like, oh, he just eats a bunch and then throws up. And we know that vomiting cats are not as normal as people like to pretend they are. Right. So, uh, and the other, the other side, I'll throw in a little, a little side piece. He didn't really get along with the other cats all that much. There's, there's some, there's some tension, uh, here and there. Uh, he's, he's the, maybe the least popular of the guys in the house. Okay. All right. So, so how, how do you treat that? What do you say to this, to this pet owner? Well, the first thing I would share with this family is that we often make cats comply to really human expectations. We make them share and compete too much. You know, mm. we want to go to Maggiano's Italian restaurant and have a family style meal. 
and cats want to go to the drive-thru and eat in their car. Yeah. So okay. they hunt to <laughs> okay. eat alone. Yeah. So when we line them all up in the kitchen and we feed them twice a day canned food, we create a lot of stress and competition over the most vital resource that we're offering. And what I always hear from families is, well, they all eat just fine. Well, it's the highest value resource we're offering. You know, mm -hmm. it's more important than water and they can find another place to pee and poop, but it's the only chance they get for canned food right. or whatever it is that their family's offering. And so we just tend to create too much stress around that mealtime. So I tell people that I educate them that cats eat nine to 16 small, evenly sized meals throughout the day. So they eat very frequently, but little bits. And we need to facilitate that. Okay. So spreading out the feeding stations around the home so that all the cats are not lined up in a row will help create less stress and everyone gets to eat their portion. Um, but then also there's ways to slow that down so that they don't eat so quickly out of like a saucer or a dish. And that's where foraging toys come into play. Okay. So talk to us a little bit more about foraging toys. And I, so I love the idea. First of all, I think, you know, cat food commercials sell us this idea of all the cats in a row eating together, one big happy family. It's like the Brady Bunch for cats. That's not internally, they're freaking out uh, exactly. the whole time. They yeah. are just absolutely twiddling their paws, wondering how they're going to get to their dish and not get smacked away or not have, again, the hoover in the house come along and push them out of the way. So, yeah, so with the foraging, what I encourage people to do is, first of all, feed canned food, particularly if the cats like it. We have to remember cats are hyper carnivores. They need mm -hmm. meat. Right. So we want to put canned food bowls in a variety of different areas around the home. And when doing that, remember that they're the most three-dimensional species we share our homes with. So not everything has to be on the floor. Feed them on top of a cat condo. If you're okay with it, a bathroom vanity, a kitchen countertop, the top of an armoire, wherever they want to get to is fine. And that also facilitates um, avoidance from dogs eating the can cat food or, you know, the toddler that's crawling that sticks their hands in the bowl. Yeah. So, you know, feed them up not always all on the floor. And then once we've spread out those bowls around the house, then we put all the dry in food dispensing toys. So we're facilitating those nine to 16 meals. We're giving them the chance to eat frequently, small little amounts throughout the day, but we're limiting the amount of carbohydrates they can acquire because we've got these puzzles that they have to work, get one piece of kibble at a time. Right. Okay. So what, what are the, what, differentiates a, a foraging toy from, I don't know, what we would think about as just a, I don't know, a, a treat-based, you know, dog toy, for example. Like, like what? So, is, how does that look? I just, I, I, instead of putting treats in these toys, I put food in them. And, and the key for most cats, not all, but almost all cats, we put something unique in the food puzzles to motivate interest. So, you know, say they're just eating like an adult maintenance dry kibble. What I love to do is get like an oral care diet, a dental food, something unique and special, put that in the food puzzle. So they think they're working for treats. They don't know that it's just food. You know, right. they just know that it's different than what they get every day. And we might spike that with a few treats to start. Maybe, you, you know, throw something in there that's of high value. So every once in a while, it's like gold comes out of the toy. and It's very motivating. And once they learn the behavior with the new novel kibble, then you can very well just put anything in the toy that you'd like to. But what you have to remember is that we've got to teach them the game. And people tend to buy the cutest foraging toy or, you know, something that just appeals to them as a human, but doesn't appeal to their cat's skill level. Mm -hmm. 
So we have to start easy and gradually increase the challenge over time. That's how we get them to lose weight. That's how we keep them mentally challenged because this is essentially hunting for the indoor cat. I'm not going to let you ask you to let a mouse loose in the house. You know, yeah. we're not going to do anything creepy like that, but making them work for their meals as nature intended. How do, good. how do, how often, I mean, what is, what role does boredom play in this? So how, how often are we upgrading the, the, our toys for our cats? And you know, cause you, you say to pet owners, you say, well, you know, let's, uh, let's get some foraging toys and let's, or let's get some, some mental stimulation or, or things like that. And they go out and they buy a thing and they're like, check and check. That's right. the next 15 years are taken care of. Exactly. So, so how, how do you communicate that? Like the need for advancement and what kind of, what kind of guidance do you give there? So it's, it's really interesting that you ask because something that's very unique about the hospital where I work is we actually carry all of these. We have a retail area. And so when our client comes out of the exam room and they have all these questions, we take them up front and we show them what they need. And we show them what an easy food puzzle looks like. And we show them what a very challenging food puzzle looks like. And we usually send them home with easy and intermediate. And we tell them this is not going to work if you don't come back for the harder toy. You've got to make the game harder or your cat is going to get too much food too quickly or gain weight or not going to slow them down enough that they stop vomiting the undigested kibble. So they understand from the second they walk out of our practice door the concept and they have seen the harder toys. They have seen the cubes. They have seen the doubled up toy within a toy to make it very, very challenging. Um, so well, like I said, we start with something that's round, clear, multiple holes. The kibble is just gushing out. The cat very freely learns the game. And then we gradually move over to things that are maybe opaque, don't roll so easily, are nubby and bumpy and erratic. And then eventually we make our way over to cubes and it becomes very difficult for them to manipulate the object. And additionally, we can actually take small toys like a ping pong ball and put it inside a small cube and now the cat has to whittle that around to get food out of two objects at one time. That keeps them busy. Well, talk, talk to me a bit about multi-cat households and, and foraging toys. So do, uh, how, how do we control calorie intake? What if we've got one great puzzler and, and, and other ones who are just not so good at puzzles? How do we prevent, you know, one cat from just robbing the other was blind? How do we, how do we separate, um, you know, the feeding across the cats when we have multiple cats? Correct. Good, good question. So in my experience over the last 20 years, the more we restrict access to food, the more we heighten relationship with food. So I don't tend to measure at our office, we don't tend to measure. We, we do if we have like a 32-pound cat. Yeah, We've got to I, do something. But for the average household, we spread out that can and we allow them to graze on can the way everyone has been offering a trough of dry all these years. And then the dry is now in puzzles. Maybe, you know, say you've got four cats in the house. You may have anywhere from four to six food puzzles floating around the house, different floors, different rooms, different areas. So I don't necessarily police the one said individual. Um, but we do try to strive to the greatest challenge that the all four of those cats can, can achieve and offer the most difficult puzzles that they are capable of. And generally that works every once in a while. Like you said, you've got this master forager, as I call them, or Kitty Einstein, and they can get yeah. food of anything. And that's where we start taking a little bit of a look at what we're feeding. 
So we know that we want to feed this way. It's engaging, it's enriching, it's stimulating, it's fun. So maybe we pare down the calories and we move over to like a high protein, low carb canned and dry food to meet the needs of everyone in the house and know that, eh, okay, they have free access to dry out of these puzzles and they're really fantastic at it. So let's lessen the caloric intake a bit by using something high protein gotcha. to keep the calories at bay. Cool. And if, go ahead. No, no, you, know, you, you go on. I got, I was going to say, if we have a special needs cat in the house that, um, you know, maybe doesn't learn to forage for some reason, or is just very senior and not doing, you know, not, not only doing it for fun, but not getting enough calories. Um, one of the devices that I love to implement is called a SureFeed, if you're familiar, the microchip feeder. And it allows one cat access to all the food that they want, and no one else can access it. So for example, in my own home, I have a 20 and a half year old, and she's one of seven. She still forages. She yeah. still uses cubes. It's amazing. But she can have all the food she wants out of her sure feed, and the rest of the youngsters have to work. So that's gotcha. how we meet the needs. Let's touch for a second on, because um, I love this, touch for a second on, on when you've got a cat that's at, that needs a prescription diet, for example. How, do, how does that factor in? So a lot of the prescription diets, depending on what they are, of course, but a lot of the prescription diets are for multiple life stages. So say it's a urinary food or say it's a prescription high protein, low carb. Everyone in the house can eat that. It's when we start getting into like prescription kidney diets, we don't want the two-year-old cat eating that, that kind of a thing. So that's where the sure feed comes into play. But if I, I actually will switch the whole household, make life easy for the pet parents. Everybody gets the same dry in the food puzzles. And then you can meet special needs with canned. So everybody eats a mutually beneficial dry food. Perhaps if you've got one cat in the house with urinary crystals, everybody eats the prescription urinary diet. And then the canned food, those needs can be met individually if the owner chooses to, or you can just feed urinary to the whole house too. It's when we get into things like prescription kidney foods that we want to be careful about what life stages we're offering that to. And that's where the SureFeed comes into play. Gotcha. I love it. All right, perfect. So SureFeed plus uh, forging uh, toys. So you've made up, uh, you actually have your own line of toys, correct? I do. For the longest time, I've been making these toys for probably 15, 16 years, and it was long before there was so much commercially available. So I literally will drill holes in anything plastic on my back deck, and I have found a bunch of cute shapes and, and objects that work really well as food puzzles, and they actually complement some of the commercially available ones really well. For example, I make um, little foraging ping pong balls and little foraging eggs. And they work nicely being placed inside some of the larger commercially available objects. Oh, very cool. Okay, where can people uh, find your toys? And then what would you look for in commercially available toys? How, what, what sort of, um, how do you recognize a quality toy? Or are there things that you, uh, that you endorse that are out there? Okay, so there's not a whole lot of foraging toys I don't like. And I will tell you, I have a problem. I own okay. them all. <laughs> I have a foraging toy addiction. Um, what I like is the different objects for different skill levels and for different stages of learning. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about is a stationary toy. And those are toys where the cats actually reach in with their paws to extract the food. Whereas the other toys I was talking about earlier are more rolling puzzles that they end up batting around to dispense the kibble. So the stationary toys serve a different purpose and tend to be a bit easier um, for beginners. And for handicapped cats, seniors, arthritic, 
Um, so there's also dog toys out there and I am all about using a small dog toy for a cat. Do not underestimate these cats. They are perfectly capable of working a dog puzzle. So we actually carry a lot of dog toys at our feline only practice as well, because they're really skilled. They're amazing. Very cool. Perfect. Where can, um, where can people learn more uh, about you and, um, about just general cat environmental foraging behavior? So I'm at fundamentallyfeline.com and I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I have a ton of foraging videos on my YouTube channel. So I have a YouTube channel as well. And then I also co-host with a colleague, a site called foodpuzzlesforcats.com. And we don't sell anything on that site, but we do offer uh, a staging of difficulty scale one, two, or three stars, depending on how challenging the toy is. And we make it very easy for you to purchase a toy on that site. So you can click the link within the post and it'll take you right to wherever you can easily buy it. Sounds fantastic. I will put links to your uh, Facebook and YouTube in the show notes. Uh, how uh, is there a quick way that they can search YouTube and find your, uh, find your, your channel? Um, I'm fundamentally feline. Fundamentally it's just my name. Yeah. Yep. Got absolutely. it. And of course, if you go to the website and click on the videos, there's an entire segment on foraging. There's probably about 70 foraging videos. It's pretty, you can go down a rabbit hole in there. (laughs) That's awesome. That sounds like a great evening. Cool. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your help. Thank you very much for having me on. And that's our episode with Ingrid Johnson. Gang, I hope you really liked it. I hope you took something out of it. I'll tell you the day after I recorded this episode with Ingrid, I was in the exam room and this exact conversation came up. And so I'm hoping that you will get as much use out of this conversation as I already have. Thank you to Ingrid for being here. Gang, if you like this episode, please share it with your friends. And uh, if you got it on iTunes, please give us a review and just an honest review of what you thought. It's the best way of helping people find us. I really do want uh, vets and technicians and people who are interested in medicine in general to find these episodes and to benefit from them. Guys, let's make the world a better place. Let's make practice better. Let's make practice fun again. All right, take it easy. Talk to you later. Bye.